I can maximize the results of the mechanical contact parts of my manual therapy by finding a discipline that I like, practicing that discipline, um, so I can get really good at the manual contact part and maximize the kind of tissue response level that I get to my manual therapy. Are systems in manual therapy still helpful or valuable? Well, today we spoke to Mark Bishop, who's an associate professor at the University of Florida. He also has 30 years experience and loves researching the efficacy of manual therapy. We covered things like a force spread when you're using manual therapy, that you can get the same outcomes being specific and non-specific. And then we dug deeper into systems of assessment and systems of manual therapy and how sometimes systems can give you confidence and confidence can help patient-therapist alliance and exactly what do we do with that information, particularly for young health professionals with this black or white narrative of manual therapy and non-manual therapy. This was a really interesting episode. Please enjoy it. My name is Michael Risk and this is Physio Explained. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Good to be here. We're going to cover a fair few things, manual therapy. You've done a, a wonderful masterclass for us, so we'll go a little bit deeper on that topic today with you. I thought we would start with some of the mechanisms. We were just chatting off air whether you would bother to know the mechanisms and what that does for you. What's your current understanding of the mechanisms of manual therapy and how it might all work? Right. So the mechanisms fall into a variety of different categories. I'm actually going to start out by saying I think it's important that I understand those mechanisms because if I understand what those mechanisms are, then I have uh, this opportunity to maximize the outcome related to each part, each type of mechanism, and that in the whole that will has the uh, prospect of increasing the outcomes that you and I, when we're working together as patient and provider, can get. So first of all, there's a lot of mechanical results from manual therapy, I think defined for most people by the contact forces and, and movement of body parts. And so I can maximize the results of the mechanical contact parts of my manual therapy by finding a discipline that I like, practicing that discipline um, so I can get really good at the manual contact part and maximize the kind of tissue response level that I get to my manual therapy. And then other parts of the mechanism include this therapeutic condition or milieu around the interaction, and that's uh, my expectations as a provider, your expectations as, a, as someone seeking care, the environment, the words that we're using, all those type of things that, that are happening. And if I know about that that is a mechanism that helps explain some of my results and I know how to maximize that therapeutic sort of interaction, then that has the opportunity to make my outcomes better because I'm maximizing that part. So I've maximized the tissue response, maximized this therapeutic milieu around the place. And then there's also some, uh, say, peripheral neurophysiological things and central neurophysiological separate from the expectation part where we're looking at autonomic nervous system responses and some of those type of things. And so if I look at each of those bits and I can say, this is how I get better at this, this is how I get better at this, this is how I get better at that, 
But I think that some of us intuitively do that automatically. But for those not as smart, maybe like myself, and I need to deliberately look at each bit and maximize each bit, then I can kind of get those same sort of response to manual therapy that someone who is intuitively doing all this at once is getting. Yeah. I like that you visualize it and break it up into those three areas. If we started with the mechanical as one of those areas, what's your current understanding of the mechanical impacts when we do manual therapy? I'm just average physio. I don't read a lot of research, but I see what's happening on socials. My my feeling is there's a sense of we can't be that specific anymore. Where does that sit with you and and what are the specific impacts on a, on that mechanical framework that you were speaking to? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really well established that when I'm doing a manual therapy technique, whether it's a joint bias, muscle soft tissue bias, neurovascular bundle, that I directly affect that tissue. There's some really good evidence that we get movement, we get tissue deformation, changes in circulation, elongation of neurovascular bundles. So we've, we've gotten really good at determining what the mechanical effect is. For some of the techniques, like the actual localization does not seem to be that accurate, though. For example, with um, one of my preferred techniques is spinal manipulation. And if I'm doing a thrust technique, Walter Herzog is a chiropractic researcher who's done some really good stuff looking at when I apply a forceful technique, where does that force get translated? And it's usually over a 40 square centimeter area. And quite often, if there is a cavitation, it's not where I was aiming to get the cavitation. It's happening away. So not always, but just showing that the forces are distributed broadly. And we've seen similar sort of things for spinal mobilization that, you know, you're affecting multiple segments and, while we can try very hard to be specific, we're probably not being as specific as once I thought I was being, for example. And it kind of turns out that in some studies that they've done, specificity isn't key to getting results. There's some really interesting work that if I let a computer pick the level that I'm going to treat, I get better, at least the same, or if not better results than when I pick the level that I want to treat based on my exam. Yeah. You know, part of that, the debate that, say, Joel Bialowski, the name some people might know, and a couple of others here in the States that we have pretty regularly, is who is the complex biomechanical exam for? Is it for me, the provider, or is it for you? the patient because there's therapeutic value in a thorough exam and there's also value to me just because that's how I've worked out how to do my interventions is I kind of need need this sequence of exam stuff but to get hung up on very specifically whether I'm on this part or this part may not be as important as the whole process if that makes sense yeah yeah so there are definite changes at a tissue level when we apply manual therapy and i'm assuming they're they're short term the short term changes that happen with that yes and then there's uh the specificity maybe not as important on an impact level but i was going to link that to it may be important to the patient like when a patient says oh that's the spot you know you're you're on the spot so yeah a human could do it or a machine could do it 
But what does that do to the patient when they think that we're, you know, on that tight spot or on their painful spot? Is there any thought or consideration to that or does that not matter either? No, I think, I think you're right under something there, at least in my opinion. The importance of, of that part, I think, is perhaps of bigger impact than the localization of my treatment decision. Mm. So if I do a therapy, if I do an exam and then can tell you, okay, based on my exam, this is what I think, and it aligns very closely with either what you think or I can explain it so that you believe that we're onto the, the same message, that's one part. The other thing is that the more I practice, the more that I work in my preferred philosophy, I'm Maitland trained and so that is my preference and that is what I, I do and I've done that for 30 years. I feel very confident in that. And one of the things that, that has been noted is I then present that efficacy my strong belief in that system and my ability to use that system is that the patient in front of me perceives that and when they're working out whether they're going to trust me, things that they, uh, the qualitative research suggests patients value very highly in the therapeutic alliance is that they trust my expertise and that they infer my expertise in part through my confidence and my handling. And so I had to do all that practice, if this makes sense. I had to do all that practice to be able to do a confident exam that gives the patient confidence that I know what I'm doing. So it kind of fits all together. I can't, I can't skip a step. I can't not train. I can't not practice because if, you know, it's one thing for me to say, go out there, be confident, tell people they will be better. No, I still need to have good handling to transfer through to the patient's belief. You're exploring an area that I'm really curious about, and sometimes it's hard to articulate, but what we're seeing with some of the later research that specificity isn't important, what I see on ground in, in Australia is that therapists are, younger therapists are starting to say the specificity is not important we not making permanent changes when we do soft tissue work. So therefore, it's a big therefore and a big jump to, well, that's not that important. Manual therapy is not that important. I'm not going to put as much time or effort into it. That's one side. And I think the other side you're exploring is if we have a structured system, a structured education, or at least a structured narrative in our head, we can stick to some structure in that structure comes confidence and in that confidence comes the rest of the therapeutic alliance. How do we bridge that gap? How have you seen that if you've been Maitland trained? And I'm sure some of those narratives have changed for you, but that doesn't mean you've thrown out your whole training. How do you explore that clinically? I, this, is a, this is an excellent deviation to this conversation. That's fascinating. So this is an absolute parallel and a bunch of different things. I think if I remember around the turn of the century, you will remember John Childs and those guys developed a prediction rule saying, okay, you just need to do this. If they're stiff, low fear, within 14 days, go for it. Don't do anything else. And while there was some efficacy to that, it's a 50% improvement and those type of things, I think people interpreted it very directly that I don't have to learn anything else except I'll learn how to do a PA glide, take an FABQ and ask you if you're in pain, I'm done. 
the thing that they may not have taken into account is John Childs and Tim and those guys, they're fellows of the American Academy over here. They were good at what they did and they had practiced a lot. And part of what was not examined in those, those earlier studies is patient expectation, provider expectation, therapeutic, you know, a lot of that stuff. And so what we do know from other care in general is anytime you have a philosophy that you follow, I like your point about structured thought, that the more you do something and the more structured your thought becomes, the better organized you become, the better your outcomes are across a couple of different disciplines, independent of what the intervention is. It's because I'm my reasoning, clinical reasoning gets better. I'm collecting information more systematically. There's a host of these other things that improve our relationship, which improves part of the outcomes. It improves my interactions and handling that, that uh, improves our outcomes. So when this comes up and people say, well, do I even need to study this? Why would I study that? And I say, well, find something you like. I happen to like manual therapy. It's my go-to. I like the diagnostic process with it. I like the treatment. And that is my preference. If you want to become the best person at whatever philosophy it is, go and do that. Go and study that. Get really good at it. Get your handling, your interactions. Good. Is my take on this, you know, so debating between whether, oh, I'm mechanical this or I'm a whatever over here, post-isometric movement person or a muscle energy person or a whatever. And it, I mean, I think as long as you have something that you're doing systematically, that you'll consistently get good results. Yeah, that's a nice thought. I, I, I'm starting to think about the other areas. So let's say that you've come through that training, you're, you're quite structured, you're quite confident, but now you want to exploit, if that's the right word, the other areas that you were speaking of. So the therapeutic alliance, maybe some of the um, psychosocial things that happen in a consult. What are you doing in those areas? Is that an area that you've kind of trained just as hard at, like your manual therapy? Yes, I think I think the process needs to be deliberate and intentional, and that some of us intuitively collecting some of this information and paying attention to it. But I, if if I'm not thinking about it as part of my usual process, the very first thing is to say. Joel Bialuski again coined the term, he's probably not the first, but the first one I know about the intervention buffet. So, you know, one of the things is when people with your condition, in my experience, respond well to this, or people with your condition, this clinical practice guideline says these are the best interventions, but there's no single best one of those interventions. So we need to do one of these things. We need to do a manual therapy. Here's what I like doing. One of these three, is there anything there that you have a preference for or what has worked for you in the past or something like that? Say, so, okay, the other thing we have to do to is exercise. I don't care what exercise you do, Michael, but uh, it's going to have to be some exercise. So you want to ride the bike, you want to walk in the pool, you want to walk on the treadmill. And so kind of giving people who want and by the way, not everybody wants to make decisions, but for those people who do have expectations, you can actually engage them a little bit more, that you can use their expectation of benefit. So, you know, I'm expecting this to help, right? Great. That's good. I'm good at that. I'm really good at 
cervical mobilization and manipulation. So let's do that. Or the alternative, of course, is they say, oh, no, that really didn't work for me. So, all right, well, here's some other, other things that we do well here. Which would you like? And that way I can really engage that expectation piece rather than just telling you I'm going to do this and be done. I like that. My my bias is to sit sit in the middle of all of that spectrum and I do believe you can apply manual therapy and apply modern evidence-based practices and be aligned with collaboration and patient expectation. I think we can do that. I think that's our jam as clinicians. I still do think it's a confusing time for younger therapists and it still feels like a little bit of camp creation, whether you're on one side or the other. If we were just to wrap this up, would you have, you know, a couple of tips for those younger therapists that are a little confused, whether they're hands-on, hands-off, or that manual therapy is not doing what we thought, so I'm just going to scrap it all together? What would be two or three bits of parting advice? We have the unique opportunity to lay hands on people in a very intimate way. And I don't mean intimate relationship way between uh, you and your partner. I mean intimate in the fact that very few other health professions get to touch as much as we do. And there is a lot of power in, in touch from this therapeutic sort of part of things. Hmm. And that is a little bit separate from the actual mechanical force changing things, but it's still part. And so just for me, I find it a very powerful part of our practice to be able to, to interact with people that way. And I'd encourage younger therapists who haven't tried or have deliberately avoided to see maybe if you like it as a provider, you will find patients who like it as patients and it's a very powerful way to interact. Thank you, Mark. And and if you want to go a little bit deeper, Mark has done a masterclass on this. We're going to put it in the show notes. You can have a free trial of that and go a little bit deeper into this topic with Mark. Thank you again for your time today and sharing all these pearls with us. You're welcome. Good to be here.